expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Just can't believe that our father is actually endorsing that self-serving fear monger. I've been giving this a lot of thought and I realized dad isn't the problem. He's just supporting the candidate of his choice. The problem lies with us. Us? We haven't done anything. Exactly. Oh. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Edmund Burke. I have that quotation in a frame. Keep meaning to put it up in my office, but I never seem to get around to it. <laughs> anyway, Fraser, I think the time has come for you and me to get involved. What are you suggesting? I propose we throw our support behind Thorpe's opponent, Phil Patterson. Well, of course, I intend to vote for Patterson. I had something a little more ambitious in mind. I spoke to some people down at Patterson's headquarters this morning, and your name came up. They'd like you to film a TV spot endorsing their candidate. Now, listen, I'd, I'd really love to help, but surely you must realize that as a, a radio psychiatrist, I, I can't take the chance of alienating my listeners. The people that need my help might be reluctant to call in if they knew my political views. Well, I wish you'd at least think about it candidate like this doesn't come along that often. He's hardworking, he volunteers, weekends at a soup kitchen, he really cares about people. Finally, a politician who believes in the things we believe in. Five bucks of chocolate, send the kid to camp. Excuse me, can't you see we're talking here? Good morning, London. It is Thursday, April 28th, 2011. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to the show today where Robert and I are going to take, I guess, one last look at the federal election, but perhaps through uh, different points of view. We're going to take a look at some of the other parties. I know you won't be able to vote for all of them, but boy, I'll tell you, some of them have some ideas that you'll see, start seeing the major parties adopt soon, and that can be a good thing or a scary thing. So we'll be t- looking at some of them, you know, just that and the other thing, eh, Robert? Okay. <laughs> and we'll check out some of those other unidentified electoral objects flying around out there. And, of course, uh, I guess our main theme is going to be uh, anyone but Harper. Uh, subjectivism versus intrinsicism. That's what you wanted to talk about a bit, eh? Yeah, sounds a little uh, heavy, but believe me, if once you it's, understand it's, it, it's going to be good. It's, it's really about the motivation that underlies probably the party you support. 519-661-3600. If you do want to join in on the conversation today, last time to really talk about the election, and uh, we don't want to focus so much on our expectations of electoral returns in, in, in the show today. We want to talk about some of the, the meatier parts of the election and the things that don't really change even after the election. So hopefully this will have some use for you. Take it away, Robert. What have you got there for Actually, us? I love the way you introduced, uh, introduced it today, Bob. Anybody but Harper. What does that d- say about a person who would say that they would vote for anybody? 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 Really? Yeah, you know, that's the scary thing. What does that mean? That is the sign of a subjectivist, but we're going to get into that in mm-hmm. a little second, and you don't st- understand what we mean. Now, on previous shows, uh, Bob and I have demonstrated how alike in their policies and politics are the three main Canadian political parties. Now, the analysis would be incomplete, though, if we left it like that. So today, I'm going to look at one other difference that they have, and it's not in their politics. 
but in their ethics. And understanding this one difference can give you a fundamental understanding of what makes a conservative a conservative and a liberal a liberal. Now, any philo philosophy. Now, this is, this is mm. broad brushing here. This is. It uh, is going to be a broad brushstroke. It is a generalization. Now, in any particular political camp, there are going to be people with um, differing motivations. There's no doubt about that. But if you think of it like uh, two bell curves, mm -hmm. they overlap in this particular um, scenario. But the general generality is there. Just think of their philosophies. That's what we're getting into here. It's incomplete, though, if we just talk about their politics, which is just one branch of a philosophical system. Politics and ethics, those two branches, they're based on more fundamental branches of philosophy, epistemology and ethics. I mean, sorry, epistemology and metaphysics. metaphysics. Yeah. Why didn't somebody just shout out there and say, no, 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 not ethics, metaphysics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On a Woody Allen movie, that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By understanding a person's politics and ethics, we can deduce something of their means of gathering knowledge, epistemology, and their understanding of the nature of reality, their metaphysics. Now, the ethical value judgments that a person may make may be thought of as being intrinsic, subjective or objective. Now, I'm going to get into those in detail. I believe that um, although there may be exceptions, like we were saying, by and large, a conservative is an intrinsicist. And liberal and new Democrats are subjectivists. Now, there's no um, federal political party which is objective, but hopefully one of these days. Mm -hmm. Now, in the United States, of course, the... Um, the scenario would be, of course, that the Democrats are subjective and that the Republican Party would be the intrinsic, intrinsic party. Mm -hmm. Now, Ayn Rand, I'm going to quote a bit here from Ayn Rand and Leonard Peikoff. Okay, Ayn Rand wrote in her essay, What is Capitalism? Quote, the intrinsic theory holds that the good is inherent in certain things or actions as such, regardless of their context and consequences, regardless of any benefit or injury they may cause to the actors and subjects involved. It's a theory that divorces the concept of good from beneficiaries and the concept of value from the valuer and purpose, claiming that the good is good in, by, and of itself. That's it. The intrinsic theory holds that the good resides in some sort of reality independent of man's consciousness. Now, Leonard Peikoff has written this That's about... very platonic. It is, actually, very platonic. And anybody out there who knows Plato understands that mm -hmm. Plato actually thought that reality may not even exist. It is, it is like to us, um, like well, shadows not, not on a cave. Not as we see it, yes. Yeah, uh, he, he envisioned a Which... person sitting in a cave with his back to the door, to the attic. And he says that when that person sees the shadows moving on the back wall of the cave, that is our actually perception of, of, the real, of, of the universe, when the real universe is unknowable or even un, it doesn't even exist, right? So now this is what Leonard Peikoff had to say about the subjectivist theory. Remember now I'm going to label liberals and New Democrats as subjectivists. The subjectivist, he says, denies that there is any such thing as, quote, the truth on any given question. The truth which corresponds to the facts. In his view, the subjectivists, truth varies from consciousness to consciousness as the processes or contents of any consciousness vary. 
The same statements may be true for one consciousness or one type of consciousness and false for another. You know what's the, ironic mm, about that? That's, what? that's platonic, too. <laughs> well, you know Which something? Which is why Plato is on the left and why all the parties exactly. are on the left. You're getting ahead of me here, Bob. Sorry, but, sorry. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm just seeing it. I'm, I'm hearing this for the first time, the way you're putting this. Uh, but that's okay. I'll jump ahead okay. and basically tell you that, correct, intrinsicists and subjectivists are platonic in the root of yeah. their philosophy. The objectives, or the objectivists, if you want to use a small o in front of that, are, copyright. <laughs> uh, are Aristotelian. Yes. Okay, the student of Plato, Aristotle. And by that, they mean that Aristotle believed that existence existed independent of your consciousness. That's right. doesn't you matter know, what you think, yeah, existence, existence exists. Existence is still there, and that yeah. is the essential, fundamental metaphysical difference between the two of them. Exactly. You could throw yourself off a 10-story ten-story building. doesn't matter if you don't think that you're going <laughs> to yeah, not still, hit the ground. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Existence exists. That's Aristotelian. Now, the virtually infallible sign of the subjectivist, just to get back to what Leonard Peikoff was saying is his refusal to say of a statement he accepts, it is true. Instead, he says, it is true for me or for us. There is no truth, only truth relative to an individual or a group. Truth for me, for you, for him, for her, for us, for them. That was Leonard Peikoff. Now, Rand, just jumping back, I'm going to go jump back, back and forth here, unfortunately. Rand wrote, the subjectivist theory holds that the good bears no relation to the facts of reality. Sounds like a liberal. That it is the product of man's consciousness created by his feelings, desires, intuitions, or whims. That it's merely an arbitrary postulate or an emotional commitment. The intrinsic, intrinsic theory, Rand says, holds that the good resides in some sort of reality, independent of man's consciousness. The subjectivist theory holds that the good reside in man's consciousness, independent of reality. A little confusing, I think, maybe out there for somebody who may not be a little steeped in philosophy, but... Um, it's not the kind of thing you retain in your mind in those words, but I I've learned that once you're aware of it, it becomes part of your understanding of things. You can, you can see things, and when you have at least the proper label on something, you know, that's a cat, that's a dog, yep. that's a camel... You know, the dog never meows. <laughs> the cat doesn't bark. Remember this. They act according you know, to their nature. And they might sound a little bit like each other every now and then, you know, mm -hmm. to the person who's not tuned in that, that accurately. But it helps you tune in. And these are not the kind of things you walk around, you know, holding in your head unless you're in that particular business. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I hope we're not getting over to the heads of too no, many people out so. here, but I don't believe in dumbing stuff down. Oh, we'll dumb it down for them later on. Uh, yeah, we'll we've had a lot of shows where we've dumbed <laughs> things down. <laughs> but... Um, I want to get across to the people out there that if we start labeling conservatives as intrinsicists and liberals as subjectivists, then it makes sense, some of the policies they come up with and some of the differences that they have politically, even though that they may be insignificant to the, mm -hmm. to the um, electorate out there. But the similarity of both these theories, the intrinsics and the uh, subjectivists, of value judgment, these theories of value judgments, is an improper appreciation of reality for what it objectively is. The intrinsicist reality has a mystical, unknowable component to it, a supernatural component, if you will, which is separate from our understanding and cannot be known by any rational means. The subjectivist theory is fluid and changes depending upon the person, 
in some respects, the subjectivists deny existence or reality, if you can even believe that. Now, epistemologically, the intrinsicist and subject... You know, you know, hmm. when, when you, if, if they were told that about themselves, if I was, quote, an intrinsicist, and someone told me that about myself and said, well, I'm not looking at reality, I could, I could respond by saying what we did last week on the, on, the, on the show, seeing things as not as they are, but as they might be. I, I'm sure that a lot of socialists and intrinsicists and subjectivists are projecting their ideal, what their ideal is, and not, perhaps aren't thinking it through, <laughs> you know, what it means in reality, because they're ignoring the, uh, the, reason, the reason and the, the attachment of reason to reality. So they see um, pain in the world, and, and justly, they want to eliminate the pain or reduce it. And they see, well, this guy, you know, Peter's got money, Paul doesn't. I think I can help Paul by, you know, Robbing Peter. By robbing Peter, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that is where the disconnect occurs, is at the robbing Peter point, not at the, not necessarily at the desire to help Paul. Do, do, no. you know, do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. In other uh, words, uh, what you're saying is that we all perceive things very much the same. We see inequities out there. We see poverty. I don't think people will necessarily disagree on the general perceptions yeah. that we have of reality as it I wasn't appears even to referring us. to Peter and Paul as inequity. I was just ref literally as Paul and trouble and Peter able to help kind of thing. I'm not even mm -hmm. going to go to the egalitarian thing. Yeah, the thing but, is, though, because of their disconnect with reality, people jump over the epistemological uh, idea of rationality, yes. right into politics or right into ethics. Because, because um, you know, it's the law of the jungle. If you take it, you've got it. So that's, that's how, you know, thinking that way reduces us to the level of animals when you have to rob Peter to pay Paul to, to get all the things you mm. want. You know, that's not a rational way of doing things. No. And that's where the disconnect is. It's not so much necessarily in the desire of a person to want to improve society, I think. Um, just a thought that came to my mind listening to that, and I'm thinking, I wonder how I would think if I was a liberal conservative or a new Democrat, because I voted for all those parties at <laughs> some point in my life, and I'm trying to think back. It's hard to relate. It is. Knowing, I, now, now, knowing now what we know, it is very difficult for us, you and I at least, mm. to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of a liberal or an NDP now, or a conservative. We should also make it clear that anyone, liberal... NDP conservative could have a bit of all of these in them, intrinsic, yep. subjective, even objective, because some people mm -hmm. are strangely quite rational and objective on certain, on certain issues, issues yeah. and then they go, whoa, what is he doing on that other issue? But right? it's very ad hoc, it isn't be, it? It is, yes, yeah. and that's where you see the inconsistency, but when you look at the larger picture of the parties, I think you have to use that broad brush. Yeah. Now, epistemologically, of course, the intrinsicist and subject are similar, subjectivist, are mm -hmm. similar in that an objective and rational means of gaining knowledge by which to make value judgments is absolutely foreign to them, isn't it? They, they don't understand how to use reason or rationality to come to their political conclusions. Another reason is that they've never ever, and I see this in politicians all the time, they do not understand the nature of government itself, the very nature of the beast. Or even the purpose of yes, why it should be there. Yes, or the purpose of government yeah. and what, it, what its function is. And that's, uh, that's, that's deadly, you know. That's, oh, it is. That's, again, yeah, we're living a, that. a subjectivist point of view, really. Yeah. For the intrinsicist, um, goodness and badness are inherent in a thing or an act, while the subjectivist, remember I'm talking about liberals here in subjectivism, hold that goodness and badness need not be rationalized but accepted as different for everyone. So they, they, they cut out the actual process of reason. They understand that what you may think of as being good is different from what I'm thinking of, right? 
Now, instead of the you, let's, in, let's in, not instead of using the words intrinsicist and subjectivist, I'm going to start subject um, substituting the word conservative and liberal and new democrat. And remember, new democrat and liberal. I'm putting it together in this as subjectivists. Now, let's take an example. Take for example um, the right to own a handgun. For a conservative, the intrinsicist, a gun is a bad thing in and of itself, regardless of context. Even though it may have a good purpose in defending oneself, it's bad, and therefore everyone must be prevented from owning one. You say for a conservative? For a conservative. An intrinsicist, a gun is a bad thing. Well, aren't the conservatives more on the side of getting rid of the gun registry and helping... And that's a gun registry. That's a long gun registry. It's a simple okay. thing, but they absolutely will never allow people to carry a handgun. Can you imagine Stephen Harper saying, we're going to allow people out no, there I to can't. hold handguns? That's I, what I'm talking about, handguns. Understood, but if I were to relate that issue to a party, it would be the liberals I'd put first on that ah, one. But I'm going to talk about how the liberals think okay, about guns in a second. <laughs> For a liberal, guns may be good or bad, but who is to say, they would say? Who is to okay. say? Who is to say what if it's good or bad? We'll just take a poll. And whatever the people decide shall be the law for everyone. And so when they go out there and they poll, and the poll shows that most people want to ban on handguns, a liberal will act to ban the handguns based on a system of majority or mob rule. They don't make a decision of value judgment of good or bad for the handguns. You, you know, I think you just answered my question on the conservatives with that, too. I think you will find conservatives who find guns good, but intrinsically. Oh, yes. Okay. It's, yes. It, it works that way in that sense, too. Yeah. Oh, and everybody should carry one. And everyone should carry one. <laughs> that, that, you know, it could have played that both ways with both parties. It's really interesting. Okay. That's true. And remember, that goes back to what we were saying before, that there is an element of this in both people. Mm -hmm. But by and large, the conservatives are intrinsicists, the liberals are subjectivists. I mean, just think of it. What party out there is going to be basing their politics on the polls? And it's always been the liberal party. That Not the conservatives. That conservatives explains, don't really care about the polls. That's why that explains the the united front of the left wing against the you know let's get rid of anybody but Harper kind of thing, right? Yes. Because they're all subjectivists. In that sense, they're united, and what they hate is any kind of standard, even a wrong one <laughs> or a right one doesn't matter. And the, and the and the conservatives are the intrinsicists, so at least they've got a standard of yep. some sort, be it right or wrong, and the rest object to that, and that's what they're all flailing the, against. That's exactly right. The conservatives have made a value judgment. Yes. They've actually made one, good or bad, it doesn't matter. They've made one, while the subjectivists, the liberals, they don't dare make one because they think that it's um, oh, morally equivalent for everybody to everybody's judgment on good or bad mm -hmm. is just as good as everybody else's, which, of course, is wrong. Now, another example would be drugs. But I'm going to let Paul McKeever, leader of the Freedom Party of Ontario, to explain this example. Now, the following was recorded at a lecture Paul gave on November 21st in 2010. Here in London, in a series of talks he called Freedom School, Bob and I were I'm there. Kind of more of a workshop. It was a, it was a workshop, yeah. but he, I think they labeled it Freedom School. Yeah. yeah. Now, you and I were both there, and mm -hmm. it was actually a great time. So yes. let's give a listen to this. Stephen Harper got on YouTube back in, I think it was April, the number one question and the number two and the number three and the number four and the number ten question put to him on YouTube was basically shouldn't you legalize pot so you know it's a younger audience that was the issue that was most of them were interested in hearing an answer on and he pretended he was surprised and um, and so he goes oh really I'm surprised to learn that that's the top question you know and he wasn't surprised at all I mean if he had any assistance working for him at all he would have been able to read the poll questions like everybody else <laughs> So anyway, he knew it was coming, and, and um, he says, you know, people, you know, I know there are these people who say if you just made it legal, then everything will be okay, and you got the money. He says, but that's not, 
you know, uh, drugs aren't bad because they're illegal. Drugs are illegal because they're bad. Well, wait a minute. Haven't we all tried a drug or another? I'm talking any kind of drug. Aspirin. Some of us have had stronger stuff. Have we, have we tried alcohol? Have we tried caffeine? Have we tried tobacco? Have we tried, or nicotine? Have we tried uh, THC and et cetera? These things demonstrably have helped many people. The guy who's gonna get his leg chopped off on the field of battle in the Civil War, you wanna bet that bottle of whiskey is good for him. Darn right, because right, it's a painkiller and he needs a painkiller while the doctor's sawing off his leg. In that circumstance, that alcohol is what he needs. It's the best thing he's got available to make this not something that's gonna kill him from the shock or the pain. There's a context for every, for every decision about right and wrong. Stephen Harper doesn't think so. Stephen Harper thinks drugs are bad and that's that. He's an intrinsicist and he's prepared to make laws on the, basic, on, on the basis of what he believes is right and wrong intrinsically. He's a conservative and he doesn't really differ from all the other conservatives we've seen. Generally speaking, the conservatives are the intrinsicists, the people who believe that right is right for everybody, that wrong is wrong for everybody, how they come to that belief is a matter of epistemology. Now let's turn to the liberals. They're a real strange bunch. We'll take pot as an example. We had a liberal government who said, well, let's bring in decriminalization. And some of them even said, well, maybe we'll even do full legalization, get rid of the, the prohibition altogether. We'll wait and see. The Senate had suggested legalization. I hate that word, but getting rid of prohibition. So there was a second report that was going to be done by, by the House of Commons, and we'll see whether or not the House of Commons agrees with the Senate. They're a wishy-washy bunch, but ultimately we got the sense that what they did was whatever the polls told them to do, right? consensus. They weren't really, they didn't believe that pot is good or pot is bad. They, they had no sense of any way of knowing. Instead, they said, since we have no way of knowing whether drugs are good or drugs are bad, whether cannabis is good or cannabis is bad, what are we going to do? We're going to turn to consensus. We're going to say, what do people want? What do the greatest number of people want? And they came up with a, this, demo, uh, you know, the general will or the greatest, the will of the greatest number was this middle of the road, they called it middle of the road anyway, will fine you instead of imprisoning you, which they called decriminalization. Oh, and I guess you got no criminal record as a result of that too. That was a perfect example, I think, of subjectivism. They weren't saying drugs are bad or drugs are good. They had no decision about that. They just said, we're gonna do this because, well, we all disagree on whether drugs are good or bad because we all have our own subjective opinions and none of us is right and none of us is wrong. So let's just come up with something that we can all live with and we'll decide upon that by vote. That's a subjectivist. Largely speaking then, the liberals are subjectivists. The conservatives are intrinsicists and we see that right across the board. Especially though with respect to questions of liberty as opposed to questions of property. And welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9. 
94.9 Other things on your mind? Sorry. 94.9 FM. It's written all around me here in the studio. I shouldn't be. You know, it was once different, you know. It was once point something else, but we'll we'll talk about that later. You can uh, join us in the conversation here by calling 519-661-3600. And uh, we're talking about the fundamental nature and the fundamental differences between the Conservatives and the Liberals. And that was Paul McKeever giving a talk here in London uh, last year. Last which November. I, yes, November, which was I found very interesting. Learned a lot in it, and uh, especially about this particular topic. And it made me think about these two main political parties very differently. And I know you were there, Bob, and mm. I, you probably knew all this stuff prior to this, but intrinsicists, the Conservatives, they also think that, for example, something is good because it is good, or because the good book says it's good. They also take mm-hmm. higher authority because they don't believe necessarily that this reality that we exist in is all that there is, oddly enough. Something is bad in and of itself, or because the Bible says so. Drugs aren't illegal because they're bad, he says. Uh, Stephen Harper says they're bad because they're illegal. The other way around, right? Uh, oh, right, sorry. The other way around. <laughs> Something is, uh, drugs aren't illegal because right. they're bad. No, that's right. Drugs aren't bad because they're illegal. They're illegal because they're bad. That's what there you saying, go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, even in Paul's example there where he talked about um, conservatives believe drugs are wrong intrinsically, um, I, I imagine there might be other conservatives who, who, again, would be exceptions in one way or the other, who might believe drugs are wrong. But uh, drug pro, um, but drug prohibition is even wronger. <laughs> wronger, <laughs> yes. yeah, more wrong, <laughs> right? And and you shouldn't have drug prohibition, even though they can still think drugs are wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I could tell you that that again, I could say on both sides whether certain drugs are good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't justify prohibition. That's correct. Right? Yeah. That's, that's a difference. Again, that goes back sure. to what we were saying that there are individuals out there. Everybody's an individual, and. Um, they all have their own particular reasons for doing what they do, but by and large, we're trying to label the conservatives and liberals with these two broader strokes, intrinsicists and subjectivists. So, once again, the conservatives would actually think of things as being good or bad in and of themselves, also referring to higher authority, either through uh, religion or even just saying because of conservatism, in their very own name, conserve, conserve, a, tri- a former Parliament decided that something is bad, therefore it's bad. We're not going to open the debate on it. It's already been decided. It's been bad. It's much like a fatwa. You know, it's been decided by somebody else that something is good or bad. You know, now subjective at the liberals, at least, uh, drugs are bad because too many of us think that they are, regardless if studies show the opposite or whether or not they can be beneficial in some circumstances. How you feel and what you think is right regardless of the facts of reality. It's whimsical. Liberals do whatever the polls tell them to. They act on consensus and mob rule. Since we have no way of knowing what is good or bad, we'll do whatever the majority of the people tells us out there is good or bad. They have no opinion on what is good or bad, but they act on majority subjectivism. Now, that's those two groups, those two theories of ethical value judgments. That brings us to the objective theory of ethics, which is based on a metaphysical viewpoint that existence exists regardless of what we think and has no supernatural component by its definition, by the way, because existence encompasses everything, making the idea that there's a supernatural or a super existence a contradiction in terms. Existence exists. 
period. The objective epistemology is reason. An objectivist, again, small o, <laughs> purports that our senses are valid in experiencing reality and that our minds are capable of understanding reality. An objective truth is based on facts, logic, and reason, not whim or superstition, meaning there is only one truth and it can be known using reason. From these two solid foundations, the metaphysical and the epistemological, an objectivist would conclude that the decision of whether or not something is good or bad should be decided by the individual, that agent who employs reason in any given context or circumstances, and that a mob or a government should allow that individual the freedom to make the choice for himself. Now, none of these three main federal political parties can conceive of such a thing as an objective means of making ethical judgment, judgments. It's out of their realm of understanding. But provincially, here in Ontario at least, we're lucky to have the Freedom Party of Ontario as the only party which bases its political policies from an objective theory. Federally, however, we must wait for a future election before we're given the opportunity to vote for a Freedom Party candidate. Until then, we're left with the choice of picking a conservative intrinsicist or the liberal or new democrat subjectivists. Both are poisonous to rational thought, reality, and life, and it remains to be seen, Bob, which of these two theories will win the day on May 2nd? What do you think? Well, I don't know, Robert. I'm going to be talking about some other choices that people have at the ah, polls after this break. The fringes. But, um, you know, I'm still working on some of these. Um, I'm, I'm reworking my, my, my light bulb jokes, you know, those ones? Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> you know how, many con ball. how many conservatives does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? How many, Bob? <laughs> Any number. They're all really good at screwing up. <laughs> <laughs> how many liberals does it take to screw in, screw in a light bulb? Okay, how many? Federally, again, any number. But provincially, they don't screw light bulbs in. They ban them. <laughs> okay. How many NDPers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Come on. Okay, how many? I'll bite. Well, it varies depending on how many people they have to hire to turn the ladder. Ooh. Yeah, see, they're a labor yeah. party. Yeah. <laughs> Very efficient, okay. isn't it? Yes. Well, let's take a break now, and we'll take a look at some other parties when we come back after this. We'll spare no one. <laughs> they all have to go. The mayor, the city council, and even the dog catcher. <laughs> and this machine I'm working on will do it. <laughs> it's my magic remote control voting machine. The election's next Tuesday, and I'm voting against the whole ticket. <laughs> How's the machine coming, Grandpa? Herman, when I've got this machine finished, Every time we cast a vote here, it will automatically be registered in every voting machine in the city. <laughs> it won't be a landslide, it'll be an avalanche. <laughs> well, Herman, the machine is all finished. Now we've got a surefire way to control the election. We'll throw all those bums right out of office. No goody, 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 goody. <laughs> Would you explain to me just once more how the machine works? Well, Herman, you see, uh, this machine is magically connected by radar to every voting machine in the city. When you go in and pull the lever for our candidates, automatically every machine in the city votes for them. <laughs> Grandpa, you're such a force for good in this community. <laughs> My 
mother told me to pick this one. discontent among the people. They don't like the way the country is being run. How come? I give them this, that, and the other thing, don't I? Of course you do. Don't listen to her. The country is in great shape. And, of course, our country's in great shape, too. Every country's in great shape, eh, Robert? <laughs> this, that, and the other thing. And that's why we are in the trouble we're in, because our governments keep giving us this, that, and the other thing. Did that sound like John Cretchen to you? <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about that, you know? But, uh, no. Welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you from now till noon. And we're going to take a look at what we normally call the fringe parties. But, of course, the word fringe can have two entirely different meanings and connotations. And in one sense, it can mean wacky, kooky, or so out there on the fringe that anyone who would hold such a fringy idea might be considered at the risk of losing their faculty of reason, we might say. And regrettably, this meaning does apply, (laughs) Robert, to many of Canada's fringe party platforms, and certainly to a lot of their aspirations. And I'll explain a little later. In another sense, the word fringe can apply to something that lies on the edge of something usually something which is not known, such as the outer fringes of the universe, which merely means, you know, relative to our own position, uh, that that's the outer fringes, since the universe has really no known edges or fringes to it. So really, every point in the universe is the center of the universe from the observer's point of view, and it's that way with politics too, I think, Robert. Um, You know, everybody sees their point of view as being the center. Well, you know what? Kind of natural. Having been part of, and still part of, a rather, quote, fringe element in politics. Um, I cringe at the word, but I I understand what people mean by it, but there's two ways to think of it. Fringe, um, as far as ideas go, or just physically, outside of Parliament. You're on the fringes of Parliament. You're outside, trying to get Mm -hmm. in. I like to think of it in that sense of the word, because, you know, at one point in time, the NDP were fringe. I guess they're still fringe as far as their ideas go, but they are in Parliament. That's that's exactly the, the distinction, you know, and, and and so there's those people who see themselves as either the natural centre, when they're really not, and there's those who are really truly fringy in the sense of they haven't thought it through from mm. beginning to end, you know. Like the Conservatives? I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, again, you, you, it's, it's broad brush stroking again with different yeah. parties. Um, I look at some of them. Let's look at a couple here. We've got, um, I got a whole pile here. I don't know how many we're going to get through in between now and noon. But let's start off with the most lefty of the parties. Been around for a long time, the Communist Party of Canada, Robert. That's true, yeah. They actually had seats in Ontario, I think, at one point in time, uh, provincially, didn't yes, they? Yes, yes. Mm. Uh, led by Miguel Figuera, April 14, 2011, out of the National Post, a Communist Manifesto for Canada. And it looks like their whole... Uh, objective is to block the objective of monopoly capital in Canada, whatever that means. Deny Harper and his cronies their coveted majority. Now, where have we heard that before? <laughs> Not of every other party. Must be subjectivists, right? Yep. 
They want a strategic orientation of the Communist Party uh, to help bring together the many threads of popular and mass resistance into a strong and militant people's coalition of labor, social, and national movements. My goodness, this sounds like out of the early 20th century in Germany, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, that challenge is corporate domination, putting the interests of working people and of our environment ahead of the pursuit of profit. Is this any different? Any word in there can be changed if we were talking about the NDP? Nope, nothing. Nothing. It's exactly the NDP's point of view. And they say their key objectives are peace, jobs, sovereignty, and democracy with, a, with, with, a, with that nonsense. I mean, they don't even match. Then they say to demonstrate the current economic and social crisis, uh, this is their purpose, to help demonstrate that the current economic and social crisis is caused by the basic structural injustice and irrationality of capitalism as a system and make the case for a socialist Canada. Well, now that's interesting. They call themselves the Communist Party of Canada. They want to make a case for a socialist Canada, hmm. which is the NDP. <laughs> so do they want us to vote NDP? And of course, they're at least the only party that's honest enough to say that they hate capitalism, and they put it in words. The rest of them hate capitalism too, but for different reasons. Even conservatives. Yes. And so they want to, you know, platform proposals, full employment, and all, all the nonsense. You know, and then, oh, here's one here too. The corporate tax rate in particular has to be raised to 30%. Now, this is the Communist Party talking, uh, not the Liberals. Communists? Or, uh, wouldn't that be 100%? <laughs> no, they said raised to 30%. But you know what? Hmm. I'm thinking 30% of what? There's no profit under communism. <laughs> <laughs> Especially once it has successfully challenged corporate domination. Yeah. What's left, right? What investor would voluntarily put his capital into a corporation losing 30% of his income to communism? They <laughs> right? haven't really thought this through, have That's they? That's exactly the... <laughs> you can tell they have not thought it through. And you know, who would do that? You know, you'd have to force the investment too. And of course, they want public ownership and, and democratic control of energy, natural resources, and the banks, just like we already have. Mm-hmm. That's what we've got now. And they want to slash military spending by 75%. Yeah, okay. How many, communi- nothing is yeah. nothing. how many communists does it take to screw in a light bulb, Robert? Okay, how many of them? None. They don't screw in light bulbs, they force them in. <laughs> <laughs> Get in! <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, there's the Marxist-Leninist Party of Canada. Anna DiCarlo, national leader, writes in a national post, This sham of a democracy. And they're concerned with the cartel party system and complain that polls are not considered an election expense. What? What? To who? <laughs> because they affect the outcome, you see. So whoever, how, how would you know which way they affect the outcome? You're going to charge a guy that benefits from the poll and the guy that's ridiculous. <laughs> Haven't thought it through. Not even, not even one step have they thought this through. Yeah. And they say the role of the media in a democratic society has all but disappeared. The result, instead of being informed, the public is disinformed. My God, we have well, a national broadcaster getting over a billion dollars a yeah. year and, and they're looking for more? That's right. Anyways, that's what they're all about, and um, it, it, it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, how many Marxist-Leninists would it take to screw in a light bulb, Robert? Uh, how many are there? <laughs> I don't know. But it can't be done. Even if it took all of them, they'd, uh, they'd never get any light because they keep turning the bulb left. Uh. <laughs> See, I've been thinking about these. You, you know? have, yeah. Yeah. Then there's a, groaners, though. Th- yeah, then, then there's the First People's National Party, interim leader. William Moore, National Post, writes... Under a political voice for indigenous Canadians, okay, this is the First People's National Party, wishes to bring the value of inclusion to Parliament. 
The FPNP is inspired by First Nations history, culture, and values which form the guiding principles of our party. Our primary value is that of sharing. Sounds like socialism. That's exactly what it is. Take from this That's person exactly. and share it to the other person. In the balance of Mr. Moran's essay states, no further principles, no policies, no platform. It's a diatribe against the past history of how he perceives Aboriginals to have been treated at the hands of colonists, you know. And concludes with the sentence that the, uh, the FPNP asks for your vote to help us realize a true spirit of sharing in this country and move forward as a nation to right these historical wrongs. You know, and I'm thinking, well, what are what are they offering to share? Or they probably argue that we've taken their land and that's all that there is. Mm. We're sharing, you know, they're sharing their land with us, right? But then again, if that's what they're doing, then quit complaining. You wanted to share. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't have your cake you and eat have, it too. <laughs> so, so again, you haven't thought it through, have you? Because yeah. it works out stupid both ways. You just the, the whole. Besides, altruism. there's there's nothing stopping an yeah. Aboriginal from running for Parliament. I mean, of course, and you know, sorry, Rob. No, like I haven't got any light bulb jokes here because no light bulbs, <laughs> candles. Yeah. By the way, when I first got involved in politics, Pierre Trudeau was in power at the time, and the Liberal Party's main slogan was "Sharing is the great Canadian tradition." You know, and that's just the standard of socialism, yeah. used to disguise the fact, of course, that sharing is normally a voluntary action. And that when you combine it with government, it is no longer um, government, but becomes an act of theft. So, you know, that's really part of what the problem is. Uh, let's see how we're doing for time here. I think we'll take a break first before we come back and look at some of these other sure. parties, okay? And we'll take a break for a smile now as we listen in on one of those unfortunate incidents that can arise when you throw your support behind one candidate, mainly just to, just to oppose another. This is from Fraser. Let's listen in. Well, it's getting a little hot in here. You want to step out on the balcony with me? A little fresh air? Great. Oh, beautiful view. Thank you. Yes, you know, I feel very lucky living here. I'd like to say I, I feel lucky to be a part of your campaign as well. Hey, it's me who's lucky. It's quite a boost for an underdog to get an endorsement from Fraser Crane. Oh, I don't know if my name carries that much weight. Oh, come on, people love you. I've listened to your show. Tell the truth, I've even thought of calling in. Really? What for? Oh, it's kind of sensitive. Listen, Phil, as a psychiatrist, anything you tell me will be kept in the strictest confidence. You know, it's funny how the more you bottle things up inside, the bigger they seem to be. Well, I've never told anybody this before, but... Okay, here it goes. Six years ago, I was abducted by aliens. spaceship for a, a kind of conference they're very concerned about what we're doing to our planet you were right now that i've said it out loud it doesn't seem like that big a deal <laughs> no
Fraser, may I see you in the kitchen? Oh, what's going on in there? You look like a zombie. Oh, God, Niles. I've got something I'd really like to get off of my chest. If I told you, I'd be violating a doctor-patient confidence. Oh, I see. Though, nothing is more sacrosanct than our professional ethics. Fortunately, I know a trick to get around them. <laughs> For the next few minutes, I'll be your psychiatrist. Then you can spill your guts with impunity. Well, it's borderline, but I'm desperate. <laughs> Just now, on the balcony, Phil Patterson told me that he had been abducted by aliens. Apparently, he was beamed up to the mothership for a little interplanetary chit-chat. This is bad, isn't it? <laughs> Niles, I, this is incredible. It's just awful. We're going to look like such idiots. We? The whole thing was your idea. I knew I should never have let you get me into politics. I, I, I just can't believe you have the goal to sit there and tell me. You know, did I want to smoke because you said no elephants. No, no, stop it. This isn't getting us anywhere. Oh, put that away. <laughs> All right. What are we going to do? convince Phil to drop out of the race and seek professional help. If Phil drops out, then Thorpe will win. Forget it, Niles. Well, then you can forget education and the environment and funding for the arts. Are you saying I should still back Phil? All right, answer me this. Can you tell me with any certainty that in such a vast universe there isn't intelligent life on other planets? <laughs> At the moment, I'm not sure there's intelligent life in this kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny theme from Frasier. Uh, we talked about intelligent life in our space ourselves, didn't we, once, Robert? We did, yes. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, intelligent life on planet Earth now, I hope. Looking at some of the alternate parties that we can choose from, we're certainly not going to get through to all of them, so I'm going to have to start picking and choosing here. Uh, one, I looked at a lot. Just, um, we'll, we'll try to mention some of them before the end, but start off with the Christian Heritage Party. It, it, it does attract a good amount of attention. Leader, leader Jim Natyek, National Post, April 13, putting families first. Sounds like a slogan we've heard before. Sure, conservatives. And, uh, and we made fun of that very slogan a couple of weeks ago on the show because everybody uses it. You know, yeah, it's, putting it's families first, individuals yes. last. Way to go. So they say our policy supports stronger families, smaller government, safer streets, and a healthier society. Christian Heritage Party or, or CHP Canada ch uh, proposes a family care allowance of $1,000 a month. Why isn't everybody voting for them? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because they understand that to get, get could, the $100,000, $1, you have to take it. Um, they want to enshrine legal protections for the unborn, which of course means ban abortion. They want to restore traditional marriage, which of course means getting rid of gay marriage. Issues neglected by the mainstream parties, they say, election after election. I don't think so. I think the mainstream parties dealt with them and, and voted on them, and now we've got those issues, right? Uh, healthcare, they would encourage a competitive environment for healthcare service providers. We would cover costs with public funds, but outsource services to independent providers. Again, they don't get the point. The point is we have a single-payer system, and they're going to continue the single-payer system. We already outsource providers. They, they won't even see it. Amazing. Business in the economy. Time to break the cycle of government debt and high taxes. CHP Canada would implement zero-deficit legislation, reduce red tape for business, and end corporate welfare. Kind of like the sound of that. Uh, 
We would review all federal government programs to determine whether the government is in fact, whether the program is in fact necessary and provides value for money. CHP Canada would phase out the personal income tax. Wow, I like that. Mm-hmm. Replacing it with taxes on expenditures, consumption. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, there's something I would agree with. Mm-hmm. Coming from a completely subjectivist party. There's well, I would say that these people are intrinsicists. Uh, or, yeah, right. Because they're not up to polls. Yes. Abortion's bad, meant, that's meant, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thus ensuring that Canadians have more control over their taxes, etc. Immigration uh, would ensure our borders are secure. Islamist terrorism and immigration represent a global threat, a veritable jihad to impose Sharia law on Western societies. CHP Canada will implement a moratorium on immigration from... Um, I don't even know what they're saying here. From um, oh, Immigration from countries with Sharia-based laws until a satisfactory resolution is found involving input from the Canadian Islamic community. And under justice, they say that they would reform our justice system to focus on public safety and restitution for victims of property crimes. It's a bit of a libertarian point of view there, too. That is, yeah. Yes. We should reserve our jails for violent offenders while ensuring that victims of property crime are compensated for their losses. So, you know. They're actually um, spouting a lot of the policies, and uh, if not policies themselves outright, than the sentiments expressed by the Conservative Party. Why start your own party that way? Because they probably feel disaffected by the Conservatives who have dropped the abortion issue. So how many CHC supporters does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know how many, Bob. None. They don't believe in screwing around. (laughs) Well, how do they get these families they're talking about? (laughs) Uh, Okay, the Pirate Party of Canada. A lot of people have been asking about this party. Director at large, Sean Boulez, National Post, April 16, vote for a free internet. This party has seats in Europe, Robert. Yes, where they uh, have proportional representation. Yes. And they would like to adopt a new standard of information law, copyright reform. They believe non-commercial sharing is not morally wrong, but never once in his article did he mention commercial file sharing. And he says information is best when accessible. doesn't say what information, whose information. And it's certainly not a universal truth by any means because it's been demonstrably (laughs) proven wrong in many cases. And he says art is nothing if not a shared experience. So sharing is the principle of the pirate party too. which doesn't even hide its moral base, one of piracy, which is not sharing. They should get together with the Aboriginal party. Doesn't piracy denote theft? Aren't they calling themselves thieves? If, if you actually Not only believe, theft, but violent yeah, theft. If you actually believe you have a right to someone else's property, then you're a thief and a criminal, because piracy is not an act of sharing. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. He says, we must therefore transform copyright law to benefit consumers and artists, not corporations. And this is another anti-corporate mindset, um, et cetera, et cetera, you see. And then, and, and then uh, you know, they want government transparency. But I think that, you know, in terms of how many light bulbs or how many of them it would take to screw in a light bulb, I'd say none, because they would unscrew unexpired bulbs and share them with their friends to enlighten the world. If you ever wanted an excuse not to have proportional (laughs) representation, the pirate party is it. (laughs) And then there's a libertarian party, of course, John Shaw, vice president of political action, writes under smaller government and more freedom. The first thing he does is uh, deny that they're anarchist and says that we uh, propose that much of what is done uh, by government should not be done by government, but never t- does tell you what should be done by government. Mm-hmm. Never ever says that. And uh, their platform includes ending the war on drugs, and uh, although very simplistic, you know, I think the only thing government has to do is, is regulate against fraud. So, you know, driving under the influence is okay? Or is that fraudulent because you sign a license? I don't know how they would look at it, you know. They want to end war in general. 
they believe in only defense, a full choice at the ballot box. They would add none of the above <laughs> to the ballot. Uh, if I was a libertarian, I'd, I'd be wanting to add libertarian to the ballot. Uh, you'd think. Yeah. And uh, again, that's an anti-government point of view. Eh? And um, they see property, they want to add property rights and other limits on the power of government. Yet property rights are not a limit on the power of government. They're a consequence of proper government, right? Which needs to protect life, liberty, and property. And so if you want your property protected, you don't want to limit the power of government in that respect. You want to make sure the government is applying its power properly. And uh, so, of course, uh, to quickly wrap up with the libertarians, how many of them would it take to screw in a light bulb? This is one of their favorite jokes. None. The market will take care of it. You know, I've got one or two things (laughs) to say about the Libertarian Party before you get rid of that, Bob. Okay. Um, I would call them intrinsicists. I don't know what you'd think about that, but I think that they've made a value judgment against government per se and said government is basically bad. Why? They will not say. It's just bad. And the problem with the libertarians, and I have to sympathize with them because at one point in time I actually supported them. Mm-hmm. But the problem that they have, I think, is that there is a disconnect, just like with the other parties, from metaphysics and epistemology. They jump right into politics without any foundation of why they do what they do, what the purpose of government is. As soon as you say purpose of government to a libertarian, they turn away. Yes. There's no purpose to government. I, I, despite whatever else they say, denying anarchy, I've had that experience repeatedly. But um, getting close to the end of the hour now, and we, we, we missed a lot of them. There's the Animal Alliance, Environment, Voters Party of Canada, the Canadian Action Party, Marijuana Party, Rhinoceros Party. Oh, what's this other one here? United Party of Canada, the Progressive Canadian Party. You can check them all out. But I'll tell you, they're all coming from the same side of the spectrum. And that's where George Jonas, in his April 9th, 2011 um, essay, Different Flavors of Socialism, says it all. He says, in the last 45 years, the only question has been whether the government implementing the NDP's policies will be liberal or conservative. Yes. (laughs) The NDP may do abysmally in federal elections, but the NDP ideas flourish. Canada is governed from the middle, yes, but the middle is on the left. The politicians who form our next government will be statists, socialist in all but name because there are no other kinds running, as we just demonstrated with every one of these parties. Our statists may vary in degree, but not in kind. Since the 1960s, classic liberals or conservatives either haven't entered the arena or changed their policies afterwards because they wouldn't have had a chance otherwise. Here's the irony, though. If socialists call themselves socialists, they wouldn't stand a chance either. Canadians are funny that way. They'll buy nothing but socialist policies and practices, but never from socialists. Calling things what they are isn't politically polite in Canada. In the tradition of Orwell's newspeak in Canadian English, the word free denotes a prohibition, <laughs> as in smoke-free environment. <laughs> I just thought that was great, end that quote. And, of course, you you recall we talked about uh, Ernie Eves, the former progressive conservative leader in Ontario, who recently told Paul McKeever, FP leader, on a Toronto radio talk show that the purpose of government is to redistribute wealth. Oh, how blatant. Yes, and and, and, and repeated it after being challenged a few times. So, um, you know, if, if voters simply ask their potential political reps what the answer to that single question is, namely, what do you believe to be the purpose of government? Then, they, then I think they get everything you need to know about your politician Yep. and what he's all about. And if any of them sound like Ernie Eves, and I'll have to tell you they all do, then you can count on higher taxes, lower security, or, you know, lower service rather, lower quality of service, or ration service actually. You'd have longer waiting, waiting lists in our emergency rooms and continued increases in government spending. You know, it's like George Jonas says, there are no other options.
So I guess on May 2nd, Canadians will get to pick their poison. That's about it. Hey, and that's, that's the way to describe it too, Bob. That's just about poison. it. Poison. Now, how many Canadians does it take to screw in a light bulb? We're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Good ending. But we will find out on May 2nd, won't we? Because we got to go. True. Before we all do screw up. So time to get out of here for now. And we'll, we hope that you'll join us again next week. When we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. See you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. The results from the last precinct are in. Holden Thorpe has been elected to Congress, garnering a whopping 92% of the vote. Well, at least Mr. Patterson got 8%. Yeah, well, they must have been counting absentee ballots from the planet Krypton. (laughs) 